Warning. What you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Who do you think would win in a fight between the the Sandlot kids and the Mighty Ducks? Oh, the Sandlot kids. Really? Yeah, Benny. Because of Benny. Oh, I think the Mighty Ducks. If it was if it was all the kids except Benny and the Mighty Ducks, like if Benny was out of the picture, Mighty Ducks for sure. But with Benny, Benny did everything. Come on, remember he hit a baseball into a kid's glove to make him look cool. I mean that's accurate, but that doesn't make him tough. Well, I mean he he would just do something. He also he also he was also the only one who braved the beast. Oh yeah, they would call on the dog as like their like secret. That's like right. special attack. Mm-hmm. But then the kids from the big green soccer team would show up with a goat and just like change the whole fucking landscape. But here's a problem. One of those kids is the same kid. Right? There is overlap there. So then it would create some kind of a singularity or Gosh. something like that. It would, be, it would just be a predestination all over again. Yeah, it would. He would be like, oh, I intended for this to happen all along. Now we'll... You'll destroy each other, and there can be only one super team for doing community sports with a ragtag group of kids, troubled youths. And Steve Gutenberg will tip his cowboy hat and be like, well, darn tootin', or whatever the fuck he said. Uh I remember that scene in the the big green where he, like, he boots a soccer ball, and everyone's like, whoa. They, like, shoot it at a low angle, and it's like, everyone's impressed, like, thinking it's, like, super far. Yeah, and I can't remember why. Like he was like the kicker on like his high school soccer team or football team or had some to be shit like team. that. Yeah. It had to be. It had to be like he was pissed off about coaching soccer. Yeah, because he was like, I've never heard of soccer before. That ain't yeah. a real sport. Yeah, I love that he plays like a washed up cop, uh, as if this is like some kind of like tragic, you know, sequel to Police Academy. Right. <laughs> I watched the original Police Academy the other night. It was surprisingly good. Really? Yeah, and for all the like crappy parts, it actually had so a few like poignant things to say about like race relations and like Wow. I, I find, it's been a while since I've seen any of these, but I find that so hard to Yeah, same. Well, I had the bar set pretty low, so maybe that yeah. was why I was like, "Oh, well, that's pretty good." You know, all the characters that get treated like crap, they get uh, they get their their justice, and mm-hmm. you know, it's all pretty satisfying. I, you know, I honestly doubt that I've seen any of those in their entirety. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't recall. And and if I did, it was the TV version, which isn't right. Well, definitely, I definitely saw them on. If I saw when I any that I saw at all was on TV, and definitely not start to finish. Okay, well, let me clear my throat. <clears throat> Well, hello everyone. We're back with the trash sheep. It's uh, me, Elliot, joined by Keith. Howdy, howdy, movie lovers. What's the four one one in movie land? Ooh. Um, you all know the drill. This is the show where we go back and cry, crawl through garbage to find movies that we love that other people don't, and try and give them a fair shake, or movies that are just uh, kind of fallen to the side that no one really ever got a chance. To judge, but yeah, giving overlooked gems a a second look, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, based on that premise, it doesn't always work out, and that's why in a lot of in a lot of cases, you know, we sort of refer to the Rotten Tomatoes score, which we are firmly stand against uh, the aggregating of of movie criticism in a mathematical way, because uh, math is evil, obviously. But Correct. also, it gives us kind of a, a jumping off point. So, like, say, if Hard Target has, you know, 23% freshness on Rotten Tomatoes, well, hold on a second, brother, because I don't know if that math shakes out. I can tell you right now, with that movie, it doesn't, for sure. <laughs> um, arguably, but... arguably John Woo's finest American action movie. It's definitely his finest American action movie. I think Face, I o- Face Off is probably up there as well, but... You know, they had quite a bit of help in Face Off. Mm-hmm. 
Well, how are you doing today, Keith? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I bought a air pump. Oh. Are you familiar with this technology, air pump? Well, there's various types of air pumps. So yeah, I mean, so like... this is a, a miniature air pump. Uh, I found a 12-volt outlet in the back of my car, and Ooh. I was like, oh, what can I plug into this? And so I have a big, like, six-foot alien head pool floaty. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like a little green man. Yeah. Uh, type alien and uh you know for years i've been you know blowing it up just manually with my lungs which is exhausting and time consuming and so i was like okay this year i'm gonna shell out the money i don't i try to live a lean life and not collect too much clutter so mm-hmm. when i buy something even as small as a an air pump it's kind of a big deal so i've purchased a 20 dollar air pump that i can plug into the back of my car and now i'm gonna travel across the country just floating in bodies of water on a six-foot alien head this is the life you were born to live yeah this is i've been working towards this uh for the better part of a decade so it feels good to finally be here all i, all I had to do is walk into big five and say where are the air pumps <laughs> <laughs> that was all it took there you go that's amazing what's going on man how are you you know i'm not doing too good keith are you sick no, I'm not sick at all. I know I perpetually do sound like I have a cold, but that's just because uh, I have like year-long allergies, and I, you know, it's it, but it's not sickness. Um, no, I'm. I, I had to watch this. You made me watch this movie we're doing today, and uh, I'm not too happy about it. Well, hold on, then. I didn't. I didn't write this movie. I didn't direct today's movie, uh, but I did pick it based on uh, our continuing theme of the sci-fi summer. Sci-fi yep. meaning science fiction for the uninitiated. Uh, so an extension of of our scientific knowledge and understanding uh, with fictional elements uh, sprinkled on top. You know, it's like when you go get ice cream at uh, Baskin Robbins and you say, well, I don't want, just want ice cream. I want some whipped cream and uh, maybe drop some gummy bears and crumble up some cookies on top. And that's what we got. Although, uh, in the case of today's movie, the gummy bears were stale and hard, and the cookies had uh, spider eggs in them. So you did not enjoy this movie? Well, I'll I'll, I'll tell you all about it here shortly, but it was... the, The movie is Dreamscape from 1984, and what happened was, as a young boy, at some point, I watched this movie, and I don't remember watching it in its entirety. There's tons of scenes that I have no recollection of, but there's a certain specific part of the movie that haunted me my entire life, and it was only recently that I was able to put it together and connect the dots, and once I figured that out, I realized that... Uh, it was very satisfying, obviously, to finally figure out and solve the mystery. Uh, was I was I did I dream this thing? Was it a memory of something? Like what was it? And I I found out it was the movie Dreamscape, and uh, so it it became necessary for me to kind of get some closure and uh, watch the movie. And unfortunately, it was a terrible mistake. What was the part that was burnt into your head? Well, it was one of the dream sequences, uh, and it was specifically the dream sequence featuring the Snake Man. Oh. I found it to be very terrifying. Okay. And... Hold on. Because you said you have no recollection of the movie except for the Snake Man. Right? Yeah, so for years and years, uh, I would have uh, a couple of uh, recurring dreams with the Snake Man scenes, and then... Um, and then I sort of fused those with my own nightmares. And so it became all kind of jumbled up. It was like somebody took those scenes in a in a dream blender and then poured them into my brain. Okay, so I have a theory that I've just put together right Keep in moment. mind, too, just for some context, this movie came out in 1984. Uh, I was uh, born in 1983, so I was very young. But my guess is that I saw it on television uh, a few years later. This is my guess, because the Snake Man was vi- featured heavily, prominently on the video VHS box. Mm-hmm. I think you saw the cover of this box, had a nightmare about it, and and believed that you watched this movie. That is possible. 
it's also possible that I saw TV spots for the movie and just mixed that in. But at the end of the day, after watching it, I realized that uh, like the scene where the kid takes the axe and chops chops up the snake man, uh-huh. uh, that was also part of the dream. Okay, so you remember that part. Okay. Yeah, so there, so. there. I feel like there is enough that I saw either uh, just a section of it on TV or it's something. So let me tell you, Keith. But it I haunted me. It yeah. really, I was like, what is that from? What's that reference from? And for years without the internet, I had no idea. There was no way to really find out. Right. It, it was just dumb luck that uh, even now that I would stumble across it. Mm. Uh, but it was because of the ability to search images and watch trailers and things like that that I was able to figure it out. So let me tell you, I was not, when you suggested this, I was more under the uh, the impression that this was a childhood favorite of yours. And I had seen this movie as a child, and it did not leave a big mark on me. I was like, oh, it was fine. So I was like, well, maybe there's something I'm forgetting. You know, maybe I missed something when I watched it as a kid, if Keith loves it so much. And I was watching it, and I was like, what the hell? Why is he making me watch this movie? This is garbage. So this truly, this truly is a, tra- a, a part of the trash heap. It belongs in trash, because this movie sucks people. It's really bad. I hated it. I hated it so much. Are you ready to uh, have your mind blown? Yes. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, Dreamscape has a 77% fresh rating. Well, this is why Dr- Rotten Tomatoes is fucking bullshit. This movie is so fucking bad. I I was like astonished like how inept it was in so many... And I'll get into them you know, more specifically here as we go along. But how inept... And just like poorly plotted and just ill-conceived, it was from start to finish. Here's and, here's. Are you ready for another layer of just confusion and mm-hmm. and sort of wild trivia about this movie? Uh, this was directed by Joseph Rubin. Oh, I know. Okay, are you familiar with the work of Joseph Rubin? Yes, I am. Because I am. He has directed some truly great movies. The Stepfather. 1987, a classic classic horror movie uh, that spawned a franchise. The Good Son, which by all accounts was one of the landmark films of our collective childhood for our generation. We grew up with Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin, and all of a sudden he was in The Good Son trying to murder Elijah Wood and his family and torture animals and all kinds of nonsense. Like, that's a history-making film. Uh, Sleeping with the Enemy... Uh, I know adults cared about that movie when it came out. So Julia Roberts, that was her uh, her heyday. Good for her. Money Train. I love Money Train. Never seen it. I Never love Woody it. Harrelson and uh, Wesley Snipes and Wesley Snipes paired together. And Money Train is a lot of fun. Not as good as White Men Can't Jump, but still uh, worth your damn time. So uh, that's great. And. I think that's about it, but uh, still, that's a, a sort of an impressive uh, resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh it's not it's not terrible by any means, but this movie. Oh my god, Keith, I hated this movie so much. <laughs> I hated it so. I realized much. that I don't like Dennis Quaid. He is someone I. He is can can be completely fine. I think he's usually better as part of an ensemble, you know. Yeah, I remember him being really likable in Inner Space and being yeah. very sympathetic and heroic, but I don't know. I haven't seen that in a long time either, so he but might he's, still be a, he's, a dingus. Though, he's kind of like... I mean, the movie doesn't really have a main character, in a sense, that it, like that Martin Short and him combined make the main character, so he's not carrying the movie on his own. Oh, what, is that uh, a size joke? A size joke? The, yeah, the two of them combined are big enough to. Oh no! I just meant <laughs> carry term, the story. I just meant in terms of like they cre- they they almost form one character, you know. In oh a right, sense, you sure, know? sure. Uh, yeah, the, the Dennis the, Quaid, the two of them working at full capacity can do the the job of one capable man. Right. <laughs> uh, he's Dennis Quaid's fine in the right stuff, you know, where he, you know he's part of like he's part of a team of astronauts. Uh, he's fine in the kind of age movie, the 
breaking away where he's just one of the guys. You know, when he's trying to carry the whole thing, I don't think he offers enough juice most of the time. And what um what are those baseball movies he was in? He was in some baseball movies. He was? Yeah. Uh The Rookie? Oh, The Rookie, never seen it. Yeah. He's like, "I'm getting old and my shoulder doesn't work, but I'm still going to play some baseball." Yeah. Oh, he was the, oh man, he was Great Balls of Fire. Oh, he was, yeah. I remember watching that on TV as a kid once, but yeah. that's about it. Everybody yeah, is like it's one of those stupid TV movies about a musician where they play the song while an actor perform like lip syncs to it, and it just mm-hmm. like looks wrong every fucking time. Mm-hmm. I hated all of those, and I know that there was lots of people who said the like the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey was really good, but it's a victim of that too. It has yeah. the, the same shit where he's and granted, like he learned how to play guitar for that, and like he had the mannerisms down, and you know. He, Gary Busey gets kind of a, a bad rap because he's a maniac, but uh, the Buddy Holly story is a perfectly fine movie. Uh, same with uh, La Bamba, right? La Bamba's fucking awesome. And, uh, I remember really liking La Bamba when I was a Lou kid. Lou Diamond Phillips crushes it in La Bamba, and it's like a really good movie. Like There's tons of great performances, and the story's awesome, and the mm-hmm. build-up towards the climax is really fucking sort of... It'll make uh, your hands sweat. Uh but uh, regardless, Dennis Quaid is a sack of shit uh, based on zero merit, but uh, he is so smug, at least specifically in this role. He's so smug and unlikable, and every time he smiles, he turns into fucking Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. I swear to God, when he genuinely smiles like a big grin... He is the dirt worst mon like history's greatest monster. He looks like a psychopath. Yeah. And I'm looking over his filmography. The movies that he is best in are movies where he's the supporting character or uh and he, I'm not even saying saying he's great in those. I'm saying like that's just where he is that was probably his role as this, you know, the 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 cocky sidekick or other guy, not the he shouldn't be the lead. Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, he sort of avoided... Um, wow, he was an extra in Stripes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jaws 3D. Yeah. When was the last time you watched that? Because I watched it not that long ago. I Yeah, I've seen that movie more times than I'd care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> we should be talking about that instead. I loved... When I was a kid, I, I loved that one because oh, it yeah. was like, there's a shark like it's happening at the aquarium the attack is at the aquarium and all this like all this wacky stuff and like the french uh shark hunter with the grenades oh yeah the the underwater tunnels and then also Mm -hmm. the idea of the shark like breaking through the control room was such a mind-blowing concept to me and jaws jaws 3 and jaws the revenge were always on tv always it was never the first two (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I watched it not that long ago, and I was surprised how much I still enjoyed it. Uh, it's not good, but it's certainly enjoyable. Okay, let's really get into the, the into this movie now. This yeah, movie, yeah. What the hell is this thing about? It's about it's a there's these scientists guys. The, the presidents, one... the presidents having some nightmares, and yeah. if he doesn't uh, find a way to stop the nightmares, the world's gonna blow up. He's I gonna, guess he's gonna nuke the world. He's trying to stop. Yeah, the world his from... dreams are going to nuke the world. He's having dreams about how the world's gonna hit nuclear. Oh no, he was. He's gonna. He's having these dreams, so he's gonna start doing nuclear disarmament because he's seeing these visions of total apocalypse. Then there's these other guys who are like psychics, and then there's these scientists who are like, "Hey, we figured out how to put psychics into people's dreams to help them with psychotherapy." But then there's these other guys who are like, "We figured out how to put people in dreams to do political assassinations." Yeah, which is my first problem with the movie because you literally have all of the, this entire program built and this entire trail uh, and these witnesses. So if the president dies, uh, there's a very obvious, even as absurd as murdering someone in their dream is, there's an obvious trail leading back to this program. Yeah, but I mean there is, but also is that how do you prove it? 
I don't know. I feel like with the, you know, 50 plus person staff, like someone's going to figure it out. Yeah, but yeah, I guess, but you can't, I mean, I don't know. In that respect, I think you can be have strong suspicions, but there's no real evidence. It's like, were you in someone's dream last night murdering somebody? No, sir. Like, okay, well, that's, uh, we don't got nothing else to go on. There's no physical evidence of you murdering anyone. I guess, but the entire premise of dying in the dream is like, uh, immediately like blown because the first dream that Dennis Quaid goes into, he falls off a, a skyscraper and just wakes up. Oh, I know, I know. That's always such a stupid thing. It's like because that's the the percept. The thing is like if you kill someone in a dream, they die in real life. What? Why? That's never happened. Uh, if you if some has anyone ever been scared to death by their own dreams? No, you just wake up. You know. Well, except for that guy that that news story that inspired a nightmare on Elm Street. Well, he didn't go to sleep. Oh, wait, that's right. His, wait a second. He was so scared of dreams, he was like, taking drugs to stay awake. Yeah, he, he probably ingested too many stimulants, and then they yeah. didn't do an autopsy. But Or he died from lack of sleep. You can die, That can happen. You can know, you? But, yeah. If you drink enough water? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. The water does not replace sleep, no matter what you well, I'm going to go take a nap. But you should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the, so the president's having these nightmares and is concerned that he can predict the future and it's going to blow everybody up. And then you have this uh, secret government organization ran by God knows who. And they right, start yeah. recruiting. I mean, they're they're actively recruiting. See, I thought they were recruiting geniuses. And I no. thought that I was under the impression watching the first, you know, 20 minutes of this movie that... Uh, the character of Alex was just a genius. At no, that's po- the Dennis Quaid character. Yeah, at no point did I pick up that he was psychic because he was like at the racetrack. Uh, Wait, they said you pick. That's like they are watching that like Super Eight video of him moving uh, marble with his head, and they're like, and Max von Sydow's like, not only was he good at telekinesis, he had psychic abilities and could read minds oh weird i must have been like making a sandwich or something during oh. that part i really like haphazardly watched this because yeah. as soon as i started it i was like this this character of alex is a real fucking dingleberry and i don't like him he's got like messages on his machine from like women like that he's uh manipulating and then like he's at the horse track and like maybe in 1984, like oh, using your psychic powers or your high intellect to to pick horses was like a novel idea. But I've seen a lot of movies, pal, and I was <laughs> seen that well, idea about a million times. Here's how ill conceived, and this that scene actually was like the first scene that really pissed me off. Uh, other than how shitty the, in the opening dream scene is, because uh, that's how the movie opens. It opens in a dream scene that the the president's having, and it's right. so bad. But that, but I was like, whatever, it's, you know, let's just give this a shot. So then we get introduced. So maybe you were making a sandwich, so you missed this part. So Max von Sydow is, like, talking to Kate Capshaw. Every about, time I see him in a movie, he appears uh, astronomically younger. Right. Than, than I have ever thought him to be. And I think it's 100% because in The Exorcist. That's it, yep. It was, he had that epic old age makeup from dick smith that convinced right. the world that he was an old man <laughs> right well i mean that's probably the first movie when, when i was young that i watched him and that i was conscious of this guy right so yeah then when i saw him in oh, other yeah. stuff i was like what the fuck like yeah he just keeps getting younger <laughs> yeah and then he finally started to catch up with with his old age yeah he at it, that point of equilibrium at yeah. uh, like in the 90s or something yeah totally. it was wild um, but yeah, so he he's t- talking to Kate Capshaw and Christopher Plummer, which also like, why don't put Christopher Plummer and Max von Sydow in the same movie? Because I love both of those guys, but they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah, the casting choices were weird. You know, like it's like it's like I want a more suave Christopher Plummer. We'll get uh, I want a more suave Max von Sydow. We'll get Christopher Plummer. I want a more serious Christopher Plummer. We'll get Max von Sydow. That's that's the. The kind of the difference. Um, but yeah, so they're all hanging out, talking, watching this video of uh, Alex move a marble with his head. And he's like, and Max von Sydow's like, he's great. He's, he's a great psychic, but he doesn't want to do psychic studies anymore. And Christopher Palmer's like, I have to have him. So then we cut to Alex at the racetrack. And this pisses me off for multiple reasons. Because one, 
he's at the racetrack and we're watching him win uh horse races using psychic abilities which we don't that it's an irrelevant scene because it doesn't tell us anything about him that we don't already know we know that he has psychic abilities except the psychic ability he's using in that scene is predicting the future which is not a power that he has that they mentioned that he has or that he uses later on at any time that's uh, that was my confusion about that and why i just thought he was just highly intelligent because i was like oh he's just um he's just picking the winners right he's not it's not like he's mentally affecting the jockeys or the horses or anything like that yeah and then a much better way to do that scene would have been with like if he was playing poker you know and he was reading the minds of the people playing poker yeah with him. he's and just then, yeah seeing their hands or whatever and then we could also have interactions with them instead of him just standing there watching horses so we could learn about his personality that was a completely irrelevant scene until like the the uh uh, what is it, like the, I think like the stable keepers at the horse rack show up and be like, hey, you're always winning. We want a piece of that pie and like try and like rough them up. But also if he can predict the future as he does in this scene, why wouldn't he predict those guys coming? His psychic powers are radically inconsistent. Yeah, or why didn't he just Jedi mind trick them and be right. like, oh, I'm not Alex or, at, oh, you're At times friend. he appears to have extraordinary psychic powers and at times he has seemingly no like he has a terrible intuition through this entire movie for someone who has any form of psychic ability he's also just a dingus yes like he is not a likable guy in the least i don't care that as he was as a child he was uh you know mistreated in any way or experimented on or whatever the fuck like i don't give a crap dude well, none like er- no that's earned it's just kind of mentioned like he doesn't like being in experiments and that's why he's a jerk you know well and i get that it's supposed to set up the the turn later where he is starts caring about people and things and you know cares about the small boy be but that's just him like thinking about himself he's like oh that yeah. that kid is just like me so let me right. let me sort myself out by helping this kid like it's he's just a jerk He's yeah. just a jerk. He and I'm, I've am i been on this tear where I, I don't like geniuses. I mm-hmm. have had it up to here with geniuses uh, and their behavior. So, like, it just, like, rubbed me the wrong way, like, in the first five minutes. And I was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you you'll never win me back with this movie. Towards, towards the end, they sort idiot. of did. Right. That's the thing, though, is he wasn't a genius. I was just misinterpreting the movie i was just making up my own narrative because i was bored oh you're giving it the benefit of the doubt because this is the type of movie where this character probably should be a genius yeah i thought that would have been made more sense actually it's like oh these people with super high intellect can sort of handle the mental strain of being hooked up to this machine and controlling dreams right right versus the mix of psychic powers but it's just this mishmash of all these ideas that were hot at the time right you're coming right out of a nightmare on Elm street and similar mm-hmm. movies. But then also, um, you know, you're just about to get into where things like, uh, altered states and altered um, states already come out. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. But then also, you know, later on flatliners and just mm-hmm. people's obsession with like, you know, the other side and inside the human brain and right. uh, ideas like this. And so you just get like, well, here's a bunch of stuff. And it's we get it's an adventure movie and it's a spy movie and it's a horror movie and oh here's a very uncomfortable love story. Uh, more than uncomfortable. There's some <laughs> really fucked up creepy shit that happens in that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I was watching that and I was just like, wow, this is this is bad even for the times, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh. Also, like. He plays a saxophone while listening to the answering machine of like the girls he stood up. Oh, that was the worst. As soon as I like that movies used to do that. Like people used to just like they would show you who they are by having like hobbies and like like in Cobra when he goes back to his beachfront apartment and uh, you know snips the pizza with uh, his scissors and cleans mm-hmm. the gun. It's like oh look, uh, this he's not like this you know, crazy ultra violent guy all the time. Like sometimes he just like chills out and eats pizza, you know, just like the rest of us. That's cool and relatable. Yeah. Thanks Cobra. But here he's like, Oh, look how smart and talented I am. And I'm young and good looking and I can do whatever I want. Also, if I could use my psychic abilities to win 
and gambling all the time, I would definitely live in a nicer apartment than that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a minor thing, but whatever. I was, I did that. Would, it jump out at me. I was like, wait a minute. He just won like ten grand at the at the racetrack. What did he do with the money? So he throws the satchel out the window, uh, and right. then runs past them, and, and they're so stunned that he would do such a thing that they don't even reach out to grab him. Uh, but it's filled with toilet paper. Yeah, it's filled with toilet paper. So where do he put the money? Well, here's what I'm thinking. So remember, he was hiding in the bathroom from him. So yeah. that's probably when he filled the satchel up with toilet paper. Right. And one can only assume that the money went up his butt. Yeah. It would have had to. There's nowhere nowhere else he's to not, put he's it. Wearing, he's wearing tight clothing. He doesn't have pockets big enough for it. That's the only place I can assume. I don't know. I guess the world will never know. That really bugged me, though, that whole stupid thing. And he all of a sudden, he's super athletic. He's, like, vaulting over, like, yeah. stair railings and, you know, running and... Well, there's also, like, a scene later. There's, like, a, he, there's like, he's, there's like a foot chase, and then he gets on a motorcycle, like, on a dirt bike. And for a second, I kind of like that because when he first gets on the dirt bike, he's having a lot of trouble riding it, and he's, like, almost falling off. And I was like... Oh, this is kind of cool. Like in so many of these movies, just these regular guys are like somehow super athletes who know how to do all this stuff and like drive cars really well and all this stuff. It's like, now he's kind of stumbling. But then like two seconds later, he's jumping the motorcycle over a horse and stuff. And I actually liked that whole action sequence. I was like, oh, this is a cool... Because, like, the car, like, busts through the gate, and they're just driving around the horse track. <laughs> no, that part is cool. I was just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, that concept of it switching from, like, oh, maybe he's not, like, somehow just the world's greatest physical specimen for no reason. And he doesn't really know how to do everything right, and he can't ride this motorcycle all that great. And then two seconds later, he's, like, riding it like a champ. Yeah. But anyway, they get him to this stupid facility. Where yeah, re- a, a facility where they're researching, like, traveling into dreams, but also, right. uh, uh, like, erectile dysfunction. Yeah. They, like, they like, just mention that offhand so they can, like, spout off that men get, like, four boners a night. Yeah, and, I like, don't know. Cra- they're, they're just cracking jokes, man. Like, these are... Was- professional scientists and it's all just a big fucking gag well that obviously yeah the movie that's the part supposed to have some comic relief but this movie is so inept at comedy that it just it almost seems serious and like why are they talking about that like there's that one jokey dream sequence with the with the like uh high strung dude and they're like Oh, he's we've we've discovered his psychosis. He's worried about his wife cheating on him, even though he's like said that before. Oh yeah, and it's like you just could have gone off of what he told you. I mean, oh my god, it's really bad. I love that crazy sequence, though. I love. I actually like some of the dream sequences because they're so goofy and weird I, with the like the rear projection effect and the lighting and and all that. I think that's... Uh... Yeah, but it's uh, like I was saying, like, you're talking about how there's all these things. It's coming off the heels of all these things like Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, uh, Altered States. And so many of the dream sequences look like shoddy versions of Altered States. You know? Oh, so definitely. It's, so it's not like a, it's not like they're trying something new or it's like, you know, they're doing this on a low budget, but, like, at least it was, like, innovative and creative. It's not at all. And, like, you don't need, I mean, you don't need a lot of money to make things look weird and dreamy and awkward. I mean, like, look at all, like, look at, like, every single David Lynch movie. Everything feels like a weird dream, you know, with no special effects. Right. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like they were just like, hey, let's just do a greatest hits of these types of movies mm-hmm. and just make it a little bit more palatable. Also, the, when they're like the effect of the, the effect of them showing them like going into the dream or the the psychic state of going into the dream, like that visual representation looks like a colonoscopy video. Uh, yeah, every time they go into someone's dream, there's like a sort of a dream tunnel that you travel through. Uh, uh, it's not just a tunnel; it's a it's a it's a colon. Yeah, I think it definitely resembles a lot of things, uh, and you can interpret it. However, it's like a Rorschach kind of have situation. You, have you ever watched? So, like, you'll see a butthole. Someone else will see like a train tunnel. But I You're... think that's the nature of dreams. Uh, there's not a lot to defend about this movie, but I'm a fan of the dream tunnel. Okay, 
And we get to see it a handful of times. And it's Have you cool. ever watched a colonoscopy video? Oh yeah, definitely. So I don't. Just... I don't think there's as many sort of ridges and um, stalactites and stalagmites and and things like that. I think that you're you're giving the colon too much credit for texture. Well, maybe, maybe in a healthy colon, there's not those things, you know. But well, it sounds like you've watched too many colon videos. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some. I've seen some pretty gnarly ones. Okay, no. that's what I'm saying. Anyway, that was that was that probably is my favorite part of the dream sequences too, because I'm not a big fan of the dream sequences in general. There's a couple moments that are all right, but yeah, uh, that first one too, where it just like goes and you mentioned earlier the steel workers' dream. It's just like, hey, we're on a roof. Hey, we're up on the high steel over here. Uh, yeah, and then and then they fall off, and he's like, whoa, I'm alive. How do I get out of there? Whoa. And then there, there, I will say the best line in the whole movie is in one of the dream sequences, and it is the in the little kid's one with uh, the snake man. And the kid says something like, my dad's over there, but he won't help us. And the dream dad goes, <laughs> the little bastard's right. <laughs> That's the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, that was a great moment. Uh, so he's doing dreams, and then there's also like a... You meet this cast of characters yeah. at the, the Dream Institute or whatever the fuck it is. Like, yeah, Alex gets sort of kidnapped by all these different government, you know, suits. And then he, he doesn't want to stay and participate, obviously, but they're giving him no choice. He's got no choice in the matter. It's a matter of national security and blah, 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 blah. But uh, you meet the the attractive doctor that he, you know, is the object of his lust, and then he falls for, and then you meet uh, the kid, and then you meet the sinister-looking dude with a giant head, and it's that guy from the Warriors and from Commando. Oh, yeah, it's like the his, his like, his uh, dream uh, partner, and it's, like, instantly, like, oh, this is the bad guy. Yeah, he like, like just shows up in his little dorm room and starts like like licking his saxophone and like wearing his clothes. He's like, yeah, "Oh, you're not gonna show me up around here. I'm number one guy. Like, let me just like piss on the floor to mark my territory." And then, even though he's think, like three and a half feet tall, I also think it's funny too that like Christopher Plummer, who we find out obvious, well, who's pretty obvious from from the get go too, is the bad guy in the science experiment. Who's the guy who's pulling all the political strings? He's a and stuff. very powerful government agent. He has to be, I would guess, either FBI or CIA because he is some kind of a threat to the president at one yeah. point. And the only possible way to have power over the president is to have information. But the thing is, too, it's like, so he, at the beginning, we're introduced, we were introduced to his character is like, he needs Alex. Like, you have to get me Alex. I need this guy for my dreams, uh, plans. And then when Alex shows up, he says hi to him. Like, Christopher Plummer says hi to him, but then doesn't seem to care about Alex at all after that until Alex starts, like, figuring out his plan. You know, like, he never tests the waters with him to see, like, so maybe you're into doing assassinations in dreams. He never, like... Yeah, does any of that? He just ignores him and then goes over to the kooky guy, who had been there the entire time. Yeah, David Patrick Kelly is the name of that actor. So there's really no reason for him to want him so bad, but he sure does for some reason. No, it's like he he quickly realizes like, oh, this guy's uh, some kind of free thinker and won't be easy to yeah. manipulate. Like his emotion, he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve like this other kid who is like. You find out later that he was like abandoned. You know, he accidentally killed his daddy, uh, and it becomes like a whole thing. But you see how he was able to sort of take this damaged young boy with psychic powers and exploit those vulnerabilities and mold him into this dream assassin, which is actually a way more interesting story than anything else. <laughs> Uh, totally. Like I, was, I, I would much rather see a, a movie about a. Uh, a guy going around, uh, you know, performing like high-level government hit jobs in dreams versus uh, this nonsense. Right. I mean, there. Here's the thing: is you could make a good movie with this subject matter, but it's just not executed. Actually, there's a movie that has a very similar premise to that that I think we should watch and, what is and do an episode for. It's uh, it's a Brandon Cronenberg movie. It's called Possessor. Oh, yeah. And it just came out not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, I wanted, and I wanted to watch that. Yeah, it sounded pretty good. Oh, man. Um, 
this the movie does have George Went shows up inexplicably say, yeah. for to do absolutely nothing to wear a fucking baseball cap and get murdered in a crowd of cheerleaders <laughs> during yeah. a, a pep rally at like twelve o'clock at night. I was gonna say this George Went is another one of the highlights of this movie. I like George Went. Uh, not like I was never a big. I mean, I watched Cheers growing up, just like everyone in our age bracket did. But I wasn't like a huge Cheers fan or whatever. But I like him when he shows up in other things because he is just. He embodies just so much of just like every checkoff of like I'm just the regular guy. Oh, a thousand percent. He's great in uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, or uh, uh, the house. Yeah, as the neighbor, and like he has like this standard introduction where he goes like shows up and goes like, "Hey, buddy, uh, would you like a beer? I'm probably going to offer you a beer or some food." I like those things, which is visually represented by the fact that I'm a bigger guy. Um, I'm going to be either annoying or seem irrelevant, but somehow later in the story, I, you're going to find out that I'm important. Like, he could just walk into a room and say that, and that pretty much describes every one of his characters, in, side characters in these in these movies. Yeah, he's definitely a one-size-fits-all for that, that profile. Mm-hmm. And then and later on when he dies, Alex acts as if like this was his only friend, the only person who cared about his safety and was looking out for him, the only person he could trust. And they spent all of like five minutes to like chatting. Right. Well, this is also a weird character for a lot of reasons. One, he's obviously supposed to be like kind of like a Stephen King type character. Like his name is like <laughs> Charles Prince. Yo, he wrote the book Stab. Yeah, he wrote a horror movie, horror book called Stab. And when he shows that to Alex, he's like, oh, you're the author of Stab. You're the famous horror writer. A decade before uh, Scream, right? Right. And then, and then, like, but all of a sudden he goes like, he says, like, talking to Alex, he's like, say, uh, you're working on that government dreams thing, huh? Like, I know about this stuff. I'm writing a book about dreams. And then he starts to spew all this information from this secret organization, right? Be like, they're doing weird brain experiments and dream assassinations. Does it ever explain why he has, because I was tuning in and out at parts, does it ever explain why George Wentz's character has information about the secret government agency? Well, you could assume, based on an understanding of writers, is that they do a lot of research and interview people when they're writing a book, right? But right. for him to gain access to high-level government officials or some kind of uh, uh, inside mole is very odd, especially given his public profile, right? The right. fact that he's a public figure. So yeah, why the hell would he have that well, information? Also, the, Especially we... if he's an everyman who spends all of his time enjoying snacks and watching sports how would you find the time also the only people in that whole dream organization that know that there's anything sinister going on is christopher Plummer and like crazy dream uh, assassin like they're doing it all on the down low yeah there's not really anything suspicious other and, than the president having recurring nightmares right. but that's just like, a problem that they're trying to solve yeah and then uh, Max von Sydow and Cape Chacha, who are actually running the experiments, have no idea. Like the they invented the dream chair. Do we even mention the dream chair? No, I couldn't even remember how they got into dreams. Like they just put those little like diodes on on people's foreheads, right. and then well, that's, that's it. Like you can do that a, anywhere. They make the big deal about that. About like right now, we have this chair that has these things that hook up to your head, and that lets you go into the dream if you have enough psychic abilities. But hopefully, one day you'll be good enough to do it without the chair. And he uh, does. He does, yeah, in a very creepy scene. Yeah. Um, yep. is he is... He... <laughs> Dennis Quaid's character is so horny that he's able to generate this, this unfathomable psychic power to enter a woman's dream and have sex with her. So, uh, this scene... I know you've never seen uh, The Room... You know, the Tommy Wiseau movie? Yes, I've never seen it in its entirety. But there is a very infamous sex scene from that movie. Right. That I can only assume that this movie was the inspiration (laughs) for that scene. Because it is, like, nearly identical. It is so awkward and creepy. And then Kate Capshaw and Alex wake up and she's like, oh my god, like, that was a huge, like, violation. You can't just come into my dream and have sex with me. And he goes like, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. It just kind of happened and all this stuff. And it's, like, really creepy. He instantly regrets it and knows that he did it. And then he was like, uh... And then he tries to say something like, but, you know, like, obviously you wanted it. 
Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Trying to be like, oh, it was purely a demonstration to uh, get out the fact that there's a, a sexual tension between us. Like, it right. was uh, purely scientific. It's like, Which, uh, you know, there's a way you could have done this scene if he hadn't, like, purposely gone. If he wasn't, like, per- hadn't purposely done it. Like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep right now and try and get in her panties. It's just crazy how pervasive uh, this idea of tricking women into sex so that they'll just like give up and let you do it again uh in the 80s was like really it, it was it you know all the sex comedies had it yeah <laughs> it's <like>, what the fuck <laughs> but her i like her reaction though because she she gives like a kind of a very like realistic reaction where she's like she's pissed off and she thinks it's bullshit and she's disgusted and then for a second she's like Maybe I shouldn't be that mad because it was just a dream, but I still am. Yeah, then she's, yeah, that's. I was like, fuck yeah. That is the one saving grace of it as she goes. It's like, maybe it's worse because it was a dream. I don't know. Well. But just the, just the, just the notion that he has this power to abuse. Exactly. Which he's thoroughly abusing. Yeah. And just someone that he has spent a lot of time with and like, but it, he wields it the same way like a, a child would. Right. I mean, just because it's a this is a dream, it's still him going into her brain with you know uh, without permission. It's still very rapey. Well, and, and she's also doing her best to maintain like a level of professionalism and not affect the experiment. Like her character right. is like rock solid, right? Like they they did a good job covering the bases for her. Yeah, and uh, I appreciated that. And it's just so funny. Like when he gets in trouble, he's like he makes that stupid like puppy dog like kid face like he right. like stole a cookie and i was like no nah, well, man he, this is and then he goes he goes like but hey you didn't even notice something i did that without the machine right, right. he's like oh let me change the subject real quick so she can stop being mad at me yeah and then Here... later on he comes back and he's like are you still mad at me yeah <laughs> here's how you could have had the same thing happen where it's not creepy like this they're both working hard late at night they both just kind of fall asleep at the desk their subconsciouses just kind of link. He doesn't purposely go into her dreams. They kind of enter each other's dreams. Then, consensually, they have this dream together. They wake up. He feels bad because he he knows that he's the psychic one. And then she, he uh, or doesn't feel necessarily like overtly bad, but it's just like, I didn't even know like that was happening. And she goes like, well, obviously we entered each other's dreams and this is something we were both fantasizing about. And then she is the one who notices that he does it without the machine. Yeah. If you had that scene where it was just kind of like this mutual subconscious link, then it would be perfectly fine. But it's not. It's him like busting into her brain and being like, hey, baby, I'm a psychic creep. Yeah. And they literally they literally didn't even have to fuck. Like, it could have just stopped at, like, oops, I kissed you. Like, sorry, Uh, that was inappropriate. Because that was, like, a a fairly common trope at the time uh, that would have been a lot less, like, sleazy, for sure. Yeah. And so it doesn't help his character at all. No. Like, he's already, like, in the doghouse with, uh, well, with me, at least. Like, just because he's an annoying, like, cocky dipshit. And then... He does something like that. And then so once he meets this little boy who's having a nightmare about the snake man in what's the most obviously the most important scene in the movie, uh, all I'm I'm supposed to be like on his team, like rooting for him to survive against the snake man and help the skin. I don't give a fuck. I want his head to get bitten off by the snake man. Totally. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't. The kid. Uh, after they get chased by the snake man through some spooky rooms, which look really cool, by the way. And there's a super long staircase to infinity that's uh, really terrifying. Uh, lots of cool little setups. Uh, the kid chops off the snake's man, snake man's head with an axe, and they drop it down a hole or some shit like that. And mm-hmm. the uh, snake man is defeated, and this legendary snake man that caused other psychics to like lose their fucking minds is pretty... like. You know, taken care of handily by just uh, fucking Dennis Quaid saying, hey, kid, the snake man's going to kill me if you don't chop off its head. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. And it's very disappointing. I, I got to tell you, for all these years of buildup, it's satisfying to know the source of my nightmare, but 
the the actual execution of it was pretty pretty fucking weak. Yeah. And then we get like the things go on like they figure out it's important that they have the thing where they can get into the dreams without the chair because that's how they're going to assassinate the president. Yeah, with no records and no paper trail. Right. They can and then, take over governments and uh, men who lust for power and blah 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 blah. Thanks to George Went and like the, this the bad guy being so like the bad psychic being so creepy. Dennis Quaid finally starts to get suspicious <laughs> instead of just using his psychic powers to figure these things right, out. Right, to just read everybody's minds. I love, do love that scene where the evil psychic is just like eating a lunch mm-hmm. uh, after uh, he, killing, killing somebody. somebody. Yeah. 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 He said, uh, what does he say? He has some great line because uh, Dennis Quaid is so like appalled at his behavior because he's just like, calmly eating a sandwich and he says like hey i'm affected by this stuff too and he's like oh it didn't affect your appetite and then he says something like i eat when i'm stressed or something like that (laughs) he's got like a good line he's actually great i like a lot of like what they give him he is he he works despite like how like poorly everything is framed around him like he could be a great villain in a movie in a movie like this he's actually more sympathetic oh yeah he, well, he, he gets the sort of the X-Men origin where he didn't know how to use his powers and couldn't control it, and he accidentally kills his dad, and then, you know, some guy swoops in and, uh, you know, exploits that vulnerability and kind of shapes him into this monster, right? The, yeah. the idea that, you know, we create our own monsters. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's like you said earlier, that would be the more interesting movie, yeah. you know, and then that, like, obviously, what's the obvious storyline of that is, like, oh, he starts to regain his conscious or realize he's been manipulated, yada, 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 you know, like, that's a little played out, but it still would be a better movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so then we get to the climax, right, where uh, it's time to save the president. Yeah, this and this is a... And this it's a, the some... whole it's a whole big dream sequence, right? Obviously, in like a a nuclear wasteland, we're we're to presume on a train of some sorts. Yeah, the idea is that the consequences of uh, uh, whatever the the nightmares that the president has been having, where he blows up the world, like this is the world, so they're in his nightmare. Um. So yeah, I was by the time I was I watched this movie in two chunks, and by the time I watched this one, I the ending, I was pretty tired and yeah i just split it up too it was like 90 minutes right mm-hmm. and uh but so th- th- there's parts of this ending that work i t- wrote a note down and i'm not even sure what i was referring to and it says when tom the bad psychic uses the dream against the president and then it said i wrote he did this to you in quotation marks that almost worked. what is that i don't really remember that what is that in reference to he are, did this to you are you talking about oh you're talking about the train car filled with uh, mutants Right. Yeah, that's that scene is awesome. Yeah, but what is the he did this to you line in reference to? Do you remember well, that? because so he the the train car is filled with mutants and they're oh, trapped right. in there, and then he also has like a mutant face, right. and he's like, oh, you. He's he, talking to the dream, and he tells the mutants that the yeah. president did this to you. Yes, that yes. part. Yes. That part. That part almost works. Um, but then our friend Alex shows up again. It's such a short moment, though. It's like they're out of that fucking train car. They, like, run, you know, away from the outstretched arms of the, the fallout mutants. Yeah. And um, it's over so quickly. But, this yeah, the makeup's climate. cool. Like, the lighting is cool. It's a it's a nice little moment. And it's it plays def- plays off of the fears of the president, obviously. It's so. definitely the best dream sequence in the movie. But the climax is also very short. You know, it's, like, pretty quickly... Uh, Tom is defeated by Alex. He uh, like takes on the image of his dad, of Tom's dad that he acts the one he accidentally killed. <laughs> yeah. And then which leads to so Tom, he gets like, a weird like a weird head on yeah. his his body with his. It looks clothes. the makeup looks so weird. Um, for like the transition. And oh, and then, then yeah, Tom transforms into the Snake Man just right. oh, just yeah. just because he sees that as. Uh, Alex's like vulnerability, like but, oh, the Snake Man like fucked you up so bad earlier. But, but why? That that's not actually the thing. Remember, he was like, "I know what you're most afraid of," and turns into the Snake Man, which is not what Alex was most afraid of. Alex was most that was what the kid was most afraid of, and Alex was the only psychic who could defeat the Snake Man. So this is literally like the worst example of 
what Alex is most afraid of, you know? True, but he was good. Like, they had that interaction where Alex was drawing the snake man as if he was like, oh, he's so traumatized by it and he can't I stop guess. thinking about it, the that encounter. Seems uh, like what Alex is most re- afraid of is some form of responsibility or, you know... Having, oh, definitely. Having to do laundry, it's, something like that. Yeah, responsibility. But at least it's it, it's at least a callback to something else that was in the movie. Uh, I appreciated the fact that it was some, connected to something. Sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's also a great uh, one of the great ripoff moments where he gets these uh, claw fingers, right, and then rips out the heart of the train conductor or whatever, right. just for no reason. Yeah. Just to just sort of uh, fuck everybody up and scare everyone. Although what is kind of cool is just a little side bit. This is two movies from the same year that star Kate Capshaw where someone's beating heart is ripped out of their chest. What was the other one? Lair uh, of the White Worm? No. Uh, the Temple of Doom. Oh. Well, and the other connection to that is the uh, Dreamscape movie poster is very reminiscent of like an Indiana Jones type adventure oh, sure. movie. yeah. For no good reason at all. Like, this is like a science fiction movie. Yeah, that's true. But that was just kind of the style of the times, you know, the Drew Struzan poster style. I guess. It's really popular. So he beats, he turns into the kids, into Tom's dad, beats him. Tom dies in the dream. Yeah, he says the the best moment, uh, one of the best moments in the movie. He's like, I'm sorry, daddy. And then dies. Yeah, yeah. And then I know earlier I said my favorite part of the movie is when the in the dream when the kid's dad said the little bastard is right, but actually, it was when the movie part, was over. Well, that, but also <laughs> immediately after, um, immediately after uh, they defeat Tom, the president wakes up. So if the also if like if the president could wake up at any time, why didn't he just wake up in the middle of it, being like, "Oh, this guy's trying to kill me. I'll wake up," so he can't. Oh, they 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 asked him, or uh, Alex asked him that. He's like, "You've got." said you've got to try and concentrate and wake up he's like oh yeah they, they gave me a sedative oh yeah i appreciated that okay if, that's if, true if this but mo- still if this still- movie is gonna do nothing else like at least it like was like here's a reason why he can't get out of this that no that's true but he still does instantly wake up the second tom is defeated but wh- and what does right. he do the second the president wakes up the president just wakes up shoots up in bed and takes his shirt off yeah like what? <laughs> Apropos of nothing, he's that like, was, Ugh. I lost it. I was just well, that's that is my favorite part. Is he just wakes up and rips his shirt off. As someone who falls asleep in their clothes, like uh, you know, on a fairly regular basis, like maybe you know once or yeah. twice a week, uh, that feeling of uh, waking up and then just popping your shirt off is very satisfying. So I relate to that honestly. Yeah, but he's wearing pajamas. He's not wearing... I don't relate to that. I have never in my life worn adult-style pajamas. They are odd. I I would like to get a pair. I don't own any, but I would like some. Oh, you're turning into such an old... I know. Like an old man. Mm -hmm. You're going to be walking around in house slippers soon. I mean, I just feel like you wake up in the morning, you're making yourself a cup of coffee. You look way less gross than those. And like I'm wearing gym shorts and a t-shirt. That's how I woke up this morning. and I just look like like a monster. I'll give it to you. It's a nice look. But it's not practical unless you live in a totally climate-controlled house well, with optimum what... temperature. Because I don't know about you, but uh, I prefer to sleep with a window open just so that the air is moving. But I can't have layers of clothes. Otherwise, I'll get I'll get too hot. Well, it depends on the time of year, you know. Most of the... Most... Like, pretty much... Everything except for the dead of winter. I would say most. I'm very sensitive to temperature, so I most, yeah I can I can't wear a big, a big uh, outfit or even pants. Most I would say most of the year I'm wearing at least sweatpants. Uh, in bed. Be, in bed, yes. Wow. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know. Well, I, maybe you're maybe you live in warmer. Uh, houses and apartments than i do i mean yeah actually the apartment i live in has zero insulation so well for the last few years i was actually living in a basement where that's true where sweatpants would have come in handy but i just can't just can't do it. i'd much rather have a 
just add a smaller blanket on top versus putting pants on. I'm not saying one way is right over the other, but I just, uh, I, I, I fully endorse popping the shirt off. I don't endorse adult pajamas. That's where okay. I'm landing. I just saying that was a, that was a great moment for me in the, in the movie. I enjoyed it. Then the movie pretty much ends. They get on a train and are we, sp- they, they have, they do a double take when they see the conductor. Who is that? Are we supposed to know that character? Because I did not recognize him. Uh, yeah, apparently there was a, uh, a dream previously where that, that guy was in it. And so then for a second, you're supposed to be like, oh shit, are you guys still in a dream? Hmm, I didn't recognize the, the conductor should have been the snake man or something. Yeah, he should have been. Or, yeah, he should have had just a snake tongue, right? And just been yeah. like, take your seats. Yes, a little, right? little, a little, a little hiss. Little, yes. That would have been cool. That would have been better. And that's the end of Dreamscape. Um, yeah, I really. If you saw this movie when you were a kid and you have a lot of nostalgia for it, that's cool. Uh, good for you but i cannot recommend this as like a a new watch no. like it i don't know it may, I mean, maybe it maybe it would be fun if you're drinking or uh doing drugs or something i don't know i don't think so i was definitely drinking when i watched the second half of it and it oh, didn't okay. make it any better yeah i don't yeah don't watch dreamscape don't. This is actually. So I guess you, just mark you, mark my word. This is the point where sci-fi summer just grinds to a halt. We just slam the brakes on the whole, all the momentum we had and all the fun we were having. Because yeah, Dreamscape just fucking killed it. Because it's also the first movie we've done where neither one of us like it, which is kind of the opposite concept of the show. But it happened. Yeah, I mean, I think it's inevitable. We had to roll the dice a little bit. I had obviously, I had my own reasons for wanting to watch yes, this, and you know, you were open to watching it, and uh, you know, sometimes you'll just lose. You mean sometimes you have a failed experiment, just like in Dreamscape? I think there are plenty of other movies with a similar premise and a similar style. There's plenty of great dream movies to watch. If you want to see someone growing up in a government facility being experimented on, I would say watch uh, The Fly 2 with Eric Stoltz. I think that's pretty underrated, uh, and it's gross and weird. And Eric Stoltz is a very likable and charming actor playing the son of Brundlefly. And I would say if you want to see a movie about secret uh, psychics among us, watch uh, Scanners watch any of the scanners sequels and watch scanner cop literally would, any of those piece of shit movies are better than, yeah. <laughs> more entertaining than this i that was actually one of my first thoughts when i saw like when i started watching this again i was like oh they were trying to make a, a pg scanners oh yeah definitely it literally was yeah scanners and altered states yeah. uh, just mashed up and mm-hmm. and watered down for sure yeah. well that's about it. I so, I heard you say that this bring the rain. Uh, this brings sci-fi summer to a halting stop. Are you trying to abandon sci-fi summer after going forward? Or? No, not at all. Okay. But okay. Um, I know that after the last episode, uh, you know, predestination was such a great watch and such a fun movie to talk about. And now we've just gone like, like and like slammed a into total, a total, yeah, a total 180 on that. Yeah, slammed into a brick wall on this one. So now I don't know where we go from here. Well, you know, I think we have, we do have some ideas. Uh, I have a question I want to pose to our listeners. Um, I know I had mentioned this to you. We know you're out there. Don't, don't pretend like you're not listening. We know you're out there. We see you, we hear you in your homes. We know what you're doing. I propose to Keith that Disney's the Disney movie The Country Bears based on The Country Bears Ride is a sci-fi movie because it per, uh, per, uh, per, uh, presents an alternate reality or alternate history where humans and bears had a parallel evolutionary path. So if you agree with that statement, please let us know because it could help determine what movie we, we do next or sometime within the series. Yeah. Is that a utopian or dystopian uh, future? 
and is it uh, you know science fiction? We don't Those know are yet. questions we have to look inside ourselves to ask and find the answers. Uh, it, and it takes it takes every single one of us to reach that that conclusion. We can't do all the thinking around these parts. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Well, I, I I think that pretty much wraps up this travesty of an episode. Uh, yeah, big disappointment with Dreamscape, but uh, maybe next time we'll we'll strike gold. Uh, if you want to hear a really great episode where we gush about a movie go check out uh the previous episode on predestination one of our best episodes i think tons of spoilers abound but uh definitely worth it yeah absolutely well so i guess that wraps it up um thanks everybody we'll see you next time and keith sci-fi summer continues and until next time the dumpster is closed goodbye everyone